0: Welcome to A Flash of Beauty, the podcast, an audio experience dedicated to the further exploration of Bigfoot and the people Bigfoot has revealed itself to. What started as a documentary of personal narrative encounter stories and expert testimony has now shifted into a deeper inquiry into the forever changed lives of those that have witnessed firsthand this hidden truth. My name is Tobe Johnson co-producer of Flash of Beauty Bigfoot Revealed. Join me along with the crew and creators of this doc, director Brett Eichenberger, producer Jill rimmen and cinematographer Michael Ferry, as we go back into the trees to sit down once again with each guest in search of the truth, no matter how strange. Well, here we go again. We're back with Mike Ferry, cinematographer, Jill Remensnyder, producer and director, Brett Eichenberger, myself, Tobe Johnson, your host. As we talk about our next guest here, Farouk Mohammed, independent data analyzer and a whole lot more. Um, boy, Brett, you are just telling me that this, uh, this interview kind of fell in your lap on social media. Why don't you steer the ship here and tell us how you met Farouk?
1: So early on, when we just had just started, I think we were just a few months into the production on the Flash of Beauty. You know, we were doing our research and I came across a post on Facebook that really kind of summed up what our mission is with the Flash of Beauty. And that's to really kind of get people to start talking, get rid of the stigma, um, give people a safe place to come out and talk about their sightings. And Farouk was just really hitting a lot of a lot of key points that I wanted to make sure that we covered in our film, and so I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, would you be interested in being in this documentary?" And he said, "Yeah, absolutely." And so we flew out to Texas um, and interviewed Farouk, and you know that was the same trip that we interviewed Arla Williams on and whatnot. Um, but I I think that Farouk has got a lot of really really. As they say in the industry, disruptive ideas to really kind of jumpstart the data collection um, and the analysis of these Bigfoot sightings that are happening across the country. Um, he's definitely um, on top of his game as far as this is concerned, and this isn't really something that people are talking about uh, right now. And I think it's I think it's um, a situation where technology can really begin to start shedding some light on what exactly is happening out there. And what I love about Farouk is, you know, he agrees that you cannot skew the data. You can't get rid of the data. It's disrespectful to the data. So um, anyways, I think this is the most important interview we've done, Um, and that's no disrespect to anybody else that we've interviewed, but I think the ramifications of putting together Farouk's program That we talk about later on in the the interview is could be ginormous
2: yeah i mean i if if we go by some of this data and really analyze it i mean you're gonna see you know we're gonna have to rewrite some science books and we're gonna have to rethink a lot of a lot of theories and research is just gonna have to be you know tossed aside and rewritten and that's really that's really scary to a lot of people. And I mean, there's a lot of obstacles in the way, you know, in his way, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can bust through some of those.
1: 100%.
3: You know, and I think like the, the conversation that we just had with Farouk, I mean, it elevates it's a game changer because he's touching on things that, other people aren't aren't uh, including in the conversation. And I think he's really setting setting forth like these are these are the milestones we need to hit to really start, um, I don't know, like coming up with a game plan on what this all means Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. My fault. There's i uh, I'll have to edit this part out here. All right. Three, two, one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jill, Mike, Brett, he started off as kind of a fan, fan of the foot. You know, he's listening to podcasts, he's downloading Wes, downloading Wes's show and um, just listening probably at work like we all did. And as a data analyst organizer, his brain is gathering all these nuances. And we talk about these outliers, this outlier phenomena where, you know, not everything is being collected and it's breaking as hard as this data analyzer that we're not collecting all these stranger nuances, these outlier cases. And so we talk about that and maybe what we can do in the culture to change it. And um, so I'm excited to see what you the listener does with what fruit's about to say and he says he's coming out the forks so you know there's quite a few people saying they're all coming out on memorial day weekend and if you want to be a part of it now's your chance you can get a ticket at SasquatchTheLegend.com. uh saturday i think is like 50 bucks for an all day there's a three-day pass as well Forks is usually the home of vampires and werewolves, but we're going to throw cryptids in there as well. So if you want to meet the cast and the crew and everything in between, from Flash of Beauty to Cliff Berrickman to a debate between Aper versus Wu to sound analysis with David Ellis to Marcia K. Moore to a whole lot more, come check it out at the second annual Forks Sasquatch Day. Only about thirty days out, so plug, plug, plug. Let's and get into our interview. There,
1: we're yeah. gonna have a body. We're gonna have a body at Forks too. Uh, Did I just spoil, spoil that? Oh, really? You're gonna bring a fresh, lady? Yeah, I thought. I thought somebody told. Oh, oh never mind. Well, you'll uh. have to come up and uh, and see for yourself, I guess. Sorry. Okay. That one, <laughs> we'll
0: edit that one in because that was so well done. All right, um, let's get into our interview with uh, our guest here. Farouk Muhammad. With us now is Farouk Muhammad. Hello, Farouk.
4: Hey, how's it going?
0: How, how you doing? Good. So Farouk, you know, it's an interesting thing that you bring up in the doc as far to, as data analysis is concerned. And Sasquatch is not territory I've gotten into, but it's, you know, given the technology at hand and the way the algorithms are collating everything whether we want them to do it or not you might as well have somebody looking into this and as far as an independent data analysis is the title you've given yourself and the 20 years of previous experience as a warrant officer in the u.s army i suppose you're the right man for the job so why don't you take it from there? Tell us how you started looking into cryptids. I guess that's what we're going to call Bigfoot in this one. Um, and where you're at right now with Sasquatch research.
4: I started probably about 20 years ago, twenty a little bit over 20 years ago. I have always had an affinity for the unknown. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Muslim. Uh, and, and in our faith, in the Quran, it says in um, chapter 8, Chapter eight, verse chapter sixteen, verse eight. That and there's some some precedent. It says, and he created horses and mules and asses for you to ride, and he and also for your adornment. And he creates many things that you do not even know about. And for me, that is a foundational principle that I need. That says there's a lot out there that we don't know. We talk about the oceans, two percent of the oceans, we uh, you know done research on or think about you know we can't even get to mars with humans like what are all the things that are out there in the universe that we just don't know so that is a foundational truth for me that opens the door to not just what we know in front of us because we know we use science and technology to leapfrog them each other to learn more about society it's like when we figured out the the giant squid right we found a giant squid over there off the coast of japan and the only way we did that is by attaching camera to a humble squid and watching the squid go down and go crazy when it saw the gigantic squid um you know squid down there um, and that that type of stuff shows that we need to have technology to learn more about science and then more then we can learn more about science and then we can learn we can develop more technology so it's just continuous cycle doesn't disprove uh, from a faith perspective, it shows that we are learning more about creation and that's kind of my perspective.
0: Got it. As if, as it pertains to the Quran and the statement that you just read there, that there are things that you don't even know about. Is there any spe- anything specific related in the Quran? Like there is in Judeo Christian or in the book of Mormon, uh, about there being a wild man or something that has been cursed to live
4: in the wild. It's interesting that you say that, and I don't have it directly in front of me. But, you know, so my dad laughs at me hysterically about my belief around Bigfoot. And, you know, over time, I've presented him with various scenarios and situations. And he's, he's, he literally has gone back to scripture and teachings and found a creature that was uh, supposedly called, you know, that, that looked like a beast of hair and things of that nature. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metaphysical creature. So it's kind of like half spirit, half, you know, beast thing, but it's considered a true creature in our faith. So I'll I have to go back and dig the name of it up and to get that back to you. But uh, yeah, so that's what my dad says. Oh, I believe because I believe in this because our, our faith says
1: this. Yeah, and, and and what's really interesting, we talked about this when we did the interview, Farouk, is that there's some parallels between Christianity, uh, Judeo-Christianity, and, and Islam in that, um, you know, the belief in angels, the belief belief in the same God, we might use different terminology, but, but the, it's the same belief. We share the same belief. And, um, you know, we talk about, the Old Testament talks about the Nephilim. And this is sounding to me a lot like the Nephilim. You know that these these potential hybrid angel humans, you know, so I, it'd be really interesting to find out more about that. You know, because it seems like every culture has got this kind of mythical hairy beast. In fact, I've already cut your segment of the sequel, and I touch on that. You know, we I, I'm actually have shown some pictures of some of these things, and one of the photos that I'm going to show in the documentary is from a wall in the vatican um that was painted by michelangelo himself of two what look like Sasquatches hiding in a cave behind an altar Mm. so you know the truth might be out there right out there in the open and we may be missing it
4: yeah i think that that's a really good point i think that you know if you and then, like I said, not going down to, you know, trying to personalize, but if, if you believe in God and you follow some semblance of those, one of those three monotheistic Abrahamic faiths, then you find yourself kind of seeing those parallels that you can't deny. Like, there's, there must be something there, there. There must be some there, there. It's just, we were not necessarily given additional details about it. And maybe because it may not have been incredibly beneficial for us, you know, going down the path, but, definitely lands credence
0: to it you know as it pertains Farouk to some of the things that you've been doing internally uh, we should mention here that uh, Farouk has a photographic memory so when i say internally sometimes the computer i'm talking about is his own brain and as it pertains to the data analytics during our pre-interview that we did last week we talked a little bit about and and you brought up some good points, as far as keeping track through data analytics and, and behavior of Sasquatch or locations of Sasquatch, there's a lot we're missing out on as far as collecting the data accurately. Tell me what you meant by that and where things are falling short.
4: So the challenge of the Bigfoot community is they're a different faction kind of like religion a little bit. They have different terms that mean different things. You have to create what we call a unified data dictionary, where everyone agrees that the definition of an encounter is X. The definition of a experience is X. So that you can basically create, and when you do that, you create a standard baseline of terminology that identifies various attributes and characteristics or experiences or things of that nature that allow you to develop measurements. So if I said I had five encounters, then that means that I had X, the exact same definition that means that you, whatever you call it, I saw the Bigfoot, it looked at me, there was some interaction. Or I had three experiences where you define an experience as I was in the area, I heard something, but I didn't physically make like eye contact. I wasn't touched. So, but you have to do that incredibly difficult work. And with all of the factions of the community, I see that being very difficult. Number one, uh, because there's so many field researchers out there that, you know, are doing it not for notoriety, but to prove it for their own self or for other people. And, the scientific method and scientific principles may not be totally followed in some of those. So I think there's an incredible amount of credibility in the field research community because they have to be the ones that go out and do the hard work of sitting out there watching red eyes in the middle of the night and hoping that they don't get ambushed by a whole group of squatch, you know, while they're out fishing in ridiculously remote places or camping, but there, there is a process that could be applied to that that would lend to generating incredible amounts of useful data.
2: So I hope that answers your question. Did that you yeah. Go ahead, Jill. Sorry. I was trying to
0: unmute myself here. Farouk, I wasn't ignoring you. Jill, take it away.
3: Yeah, I was having mute issues myself. So this is kind of... Uh... I'm deviated from the path we're going down, um, getting into all the technical and the analytics and whatnot, but just to circle back about your photographic memory, in I just have to ask, so of all the stories and encounters or tidbits of information you've come across, what is what would be the top three that uh, are just burned into your brain? that when when you think about sasquatch like the most fascinating things
4: yeah so this gets back to really discreet really discreet details number one there's an um and i shared it with you and brad jill the the episode about the the name of the episode was um i wouldn't believe it if i didn't you know see it and that was the one where the guy <laughs> encounters the woman in the woods that basically has been raising sasquatch since the 70s and they've been visiting her and she, they leave their their young with her um for for until they're old until they're too big to stay in the house and they stop turning up the house and and that whole series of five or six encounters he had with that lady and how he you know literally got to the point where he was watching them like watch SpongeBob or Um, you know, sitting up there while they were move, they they would move things around for her. She had bags of feed on on the the, just for them. How they stayed on their side of the property for the most part, and then the the part where she met with the alpha, and how traumatizing that was for him. And he decided to stop going after he saw the alpha because it was such a beast. It was you know said ten foot tall. You know she was like five foot, and she was at the middle of his waist. So I mean um it's that encounter that's one and the reason why is because it's hard to say that they're what they are because we don't have one but there was a detail in there that undeniably to me said they're part alien because there was a statement that the the guy said when the the woman told him they go with the star people for a period of time you can make up a lot of stuff. You can create, you know, people who conjure up amazing Stephen King. So, but some random guy, country guy out in the woods, makes up, uses a term so primitive, but so true, like they go with the star people for a period. I, I don't, I that encounter itself out of the thousands is what I call an outlier. <clears throat> and outliers, when you do the standard, bell curve, you got two standard deviation, most everything falls within those two standard deviations. And then you have these once not dots that are so weird and complex that they throw you off like that's weird. But in Bigfootology or Bigfooting, you know, those outliers are the probably the most real, because they're so fantastic. So fantastic, it's almost impossible to make it up. That's one. The second one was the one where the lady saw the family on the beach. Um, These are all on Sasquatch. Ground. Brett, uh, you know Wes Germer. He's done a great job on that 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 forum. He actually creates a template for exceptional data analysis capture. The way that he guides them. If someone was cataloging that, all of those nine hundred something episodes he's gotten would literally be a blueprint for a lot of, you know, areas around the United States, because it just does a great job of pulling out uh, the data that you could use. So there's this one episode where this guy's out hunting and he sees one about hundred yards away and he looks, he says, Hey, yells at it. And without thought, it immediately without, without looking back at him, jumped from where it was to behind a tree. I just think about the intricate thought of human behavior or any other animal behavior. What do they do? We look, but it didn't look. It just jumped with its back turned to behind. What creature is in, in, the, in our animal kingdom would make that type of move? There's none. There's no animal. Any animal, you yell at a deer, it looks at you. You yell at a bear, it looks at you. You yell at a wolf, a lion, they look at you. It went from back turn, hearing that noise, to jumping immediately behind a tree. You can't make that up. The brain would would follow the logical part. Oh, yeah, it turned around, and then it jumped behind the tree. It You don't think it immediately. And then what it did was, he saw it literally scanning the top of the trees first until it went all the way down. And then it saw him. You can't make that up. Why is it looking at the top of the tree? So, I mean, it's those little intricate details that just add so much validation to people who are having real experiences that you can't make up with the logical brain of a human and and it just adds so much credibility. The last one. Um, well, that that was once, two, three, same thing. This is the one where the lady saw the family on the beach. Um, she watched them, the, the male go into the water. And he was pulling seaweed out, throwing it to the bank. And the female, he was kind of chewing on it a little bit and then throwing it to the bank. And then she sort of slipped on some rocks It saw her. And she said the way it moved and she saw, the way she explained, she just literally passed out when it got over there. And she woke up next to her car in the area by her car because they drug her over there. They didn't kill her. But the, the, the preceding thing was that is that the wife stop the husband from killing her and they had an argument and she watched them have an argument chattering back and forth to me those those are are the three that that just kind of add details to that you know why would some not why how does the brain function in a non-human way to think about interactions it's just that it's not possible really i mean unless you're an extraordinary filmmaker you know
1: yeah, yeah I you know in and, and obviously you know uh we've listened to those episodes as well and Jill and I were talking about I think we were listening to them in a road trip um and maybe it was actually after we interviewed you we drove up to Oklahoma and I think we listened to him um on the way up there something like that but one of the things that we noticed was you know being that we're filmmakers and we've we've done a number of narrative films is the performances of of those individuals that's not easy to do. So um, you know, you could hire an actor or an actress to recant those stories. I mean the human imagination is limitless, really. but the point is is that you're you're exactly right. The human imagination, even though it's limitless, it it, it also has it's also afraid of, you know it has ego, in other words, it's afraid of of ridicule. it's afraid of um, the stigma. So for someone to come on and say some of the things that those individuals said, and we've heard after the fact that, um, so what was the woman in California's name? Chris, was it Christina? No.
3: Claire. Claire.
1: Claire. Thank you. We heard that Claire, and I don't know if Wes told me this or if somebody else told me this, Claire actually saw that they had gills. Mm. She saw gills and she didn't talk. She wouldn't talk about that. On the podcast, because she thought she she thought that was too outlandish, so she asked for that to that to be left out. I I wonder if April told us that because we interviewed another woman that saw them too in the in the surf.
3: Brett, it was um, someone that we, and I'm not going to say it because I don't know if we're supposed to, but it was someone we interviewed for the sequel.
1: Okay. Okay. Do you know
3: who I'm talking about?
1: No, but that's okay. (laughs) We'll keep it. We'll keep it a secret they until we spoke, officially cut. They,
3: yeah. Okay. Okay. We're quote
1: unquote on the air, but the point is, is that you know Claire had a performance that is next to impossible to replicate unless you're a trained actress. You know, it's because I'm talking about the details, like you're talking about. I'm talking about the psychological details that are in in her story. You know, you you, you can't make that stuff up.
4: There's no way. I mean, I just. I mean, and I've listened to thousands. I've listened to ones where guys have killed Bigfoot. I've listened to one. I listened to one where a guy, and, and that would probably be my fourth. There's this one where this guy kills two Bigfoot in Oklahoma in 1960 something. And he said they looked like Neanderthal. He cried during the interview because he thought that they were people. He said he didn't tell anybody because he thought they were people, but just like Woods people. And he killed them with a 45 chasing them through briar patches because he just he had an instinctive hunter thing like what the heck you know the hunter cardinal rule is if you don't know what it is don't kill it but for whatever reason he just went full Monty on 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 chasing them down and he killed two of them and buried them and he said he wouldn't go back because he felt like the family that was there knew him like they they remembered him and he cried he literally cried on the air, and you could hear the trauma in his voice, the the regret that he had because he he didn't he he didn't feel like it was right. You know, um, those emotions that people have are data elements. They they you know,
1: absolutely are. Yeah. And what's interesting, what's interesting and real quick, I'll let you talk, Mike. Um, just to finish up this thought, what's really interesting is, yeah, we we haven't, I don't think we've listened to nearly as many episodes of, Sas- of Sasquatch Chronicles as you have, and or other podcasts, what we, but what we've found is that we've been data gathering, obviously, making this documentary. And what's so cool for us is what happens after we turn the camera off. Because like I was just saying about Claire, there's, there's a lot of people out there were only willing to give us 90% of the story or what they were comfortable telling us. And it's those other pieces of the story that we're getting off camera, um, or or a pre-interview or what have you, those are the other points of data that we're connecting the dots to, going, wait a minute, so-and-so in Vermont said this, and so-and-so in Texas said this, and Tobin and Daryl experienced this at, at the Owl Moon lab, you know, and it all it's like nobody, none of these people know each other. Some of the people that we've interviewed, they've never spoken publicly. And they're saying the same exact things. And 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 there's no there's no driving force behind it other than the fact that. What everybody is repeatedly telling us is that once they get it off their chest and they've had a chance to just like get it out there and talk about it, they feel a release. They feel a psychological release. It's like coming out of the closet, you know, um, and in a lot of ways, it kind of is because of the stigma that society is attaching these people. Sorry, Mike.
2: No, I, you know, I. this is all super interesting stuff and I hate to get away from that emotional aspect of this but i i have a curious uh, just a question about you know biology and research and you know we look at like jane goodall out in the field studying primates and um you know obviously we're not doing that with sasquatch because it's it's elusive obviously so we're using data to get us that that information i mean do you think that you know using data using analytics do you think that will ever get us to the point where you know, we can study face to face? Like, are those two things, you know, totally different ways of researching? I mean, I'm I'm just just wondering if we'll ever bridge a gap there. So from my
4: perspective, I would offer that there has to be a coupling, a marriage of the people that spend the time in the areas. There are some incredible, Researchers that go out and do very sound, tact employ very sound tactics, and these are come from encounters that they've had where they've tracked pods, multiple pods, in, up in uh, like on Fort Lewis area. And there's a guy that he's gone out and he tracked multiple pods up on these this, and he can tell you specific details, and they're beautiful, perfect details. He got peed on um, by Bigfoot, but um, beside that. I'm sure everything else that he's experienced um, is is beyond memorable. And and I would say that you got to couple those together, because there's other data elements that you could capture. And We talked about using other types of technology to to capture some simplistic type things to see about electromagnetic interference or impact of light, changes of you know, how light, um, you know, different colors, different colors of spectrum. Uh, can they see them and things of that nature? I I just feel like there's all there's going to have to be a marriage enough for us to get to to stop having these anecdotal type like, oh, you know, I I had this experience, we had this experience and our experience is better than yours. It's it's, got to be a a concerted focus to prove, you know, and and that means removing the egos, removing it and, and being candid about all the data elements the paramor- paranormal stuff, the stuff that we know is concrete, you know, that 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 aligns with what we know about, you know, what people believe about and or what they want to, you know, how, whatever that interprets that, you know, um, it's just, it's sad. I feel sad sometimes because <clears throat> you get ridiculed pretty bad, man. I mean, everybody that I professionally work with knows, but I know a lot of, I'm in some think tanks and some groups and stuff like that. And a lot of people, they don't want they just they're very professional, they're acoustic experts, they're they're bio, wildlife biologists, they're zoologists, and they all know. But they can't say nothing,
2: you know. What's gonna get us, what's gonna get us there? I mean um what, I think like what are think. these it's, people is technology? It's the Humboldt squid thing. It's gonna
4: okay. be so so the government has I don't finding Bigfoot, which I you know it's it, for whoever i watched some early episodes they 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 used employ some technology um there was a flare truck that they had they brought on the show now flare makes government they make normal you know night vision kept, you know tools and products but then they also have a government side that government side they had this truck and this truck was not showing the limits the, the full expanse of what it could do but what it did was they could see five mile radius. Anything. Five miles. No Bigfoot can get away from five mile radius. Can't get away. So they know. The question is: Is who's? Why won't they let? Why won't we? Why won't they let it out? Because there's something extraordinary about them that they don't want people to. They don't think we people can handle or be ready for it. People are not going to go run killing them. You can immediately protect them. You could do, I mean, it's not that's that's you know, hogwash. It's there's something extraordinary about them that they don't want us to know.
1: Yep. I I am in such agreement with you, Farouk. And you know, we've we can't really get into it, but we've seen there's a video that's been floating around that 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 won't be released of some flare footage of a copter tracking one. Tobe can expand upon this if he wants to. Um but uh, that's all I'm going to say. And, and that's and quite the teaser, man. Yeah. yeah. Technically,
0: I could show it here right now and the audience couldn't see it, but Farouk could. Um, but we can get into that at a later time. Um, you bring up a lot of good points here. Everybody does, as usual. Because um, you are listening to Flash of Beauty, the podcast, <laughs> where good questions are always asked. In regards to the idea of these outliers. I think it's fascinating because the last two or three episodes, I've been talking about the omission of evidence and how it's not really, it's not good data collection. It's just not good conversation because it's BS. And these conferences recycle themselves with the same information, same stuff. And um, this this issue is so multi-layered and those nuances, those subtleties that are explained. I mean, we talked a lot about Sasquatch Chronicles it's good for that. It's great for the subtleties. And, um, you know, Jacques Vallée, I believe had this term he described as mountaintops. And what he was trying to describe is if you sent somebody up to the Himalayas to Everest to only look at the mountaintop, you'd never know all of the interesting stuff below that peak. And they would only have a very interesting map with none of this other data. They wouldn't know about the valleys. They wouldn't know about the rocks that could fall there. They wouldn't know about the dead guy that was left there for 20 years. They'd only know about the mountaintop. And that's kind of where we are right now, as far as mapping out the data with this stuff that, uh, you know, we only have a very limited box to put it in. But, you know, and I know, and I feel like I've experienced this other part of the map. And so what do you think it's going to take to get people comfortable to talk about these other trails, these other nooks and crannies and valleys that we can start to plot what's going to happen. I feel like it has to be in the culture. There has to be a cultural shift. And is that UFO conversation, the shift is this documentary, the shift. I feel like this documentary might help with it, but. You know, there's a lot of invested interest in one narrative. So Farouk, um, I'm going to make you answer this question.
4: Yeah, uh, no, I mean the bottom line for me, I mean it's pretty straightforward. There has to be a group of people that don't care what other people think. You follow the principles. You follow. You follow the process. The data collection, data analysis, you present it. Now, what people are going to say is that's a bunch of words, but. <clears throat> what else do we have do we have a body to show there is a point where the data is so compelling that's why they develop that's why they develop drugs they use the data they collect from all of the the, the different types of tests that they run all of the different trials the clinical trials that they run they use that data to make an informed decision and that tells them you're going to have you know all these great um you know outcomes, that you're going to have some really bad contraindication, you might die, you know, you might this and that. but it comes from people saying, I, I don't care. So a group, someone has to build a group of very highly competent people and not try, I don't, I don't at all believe that you, if you go on Facebook right now, there are hundreds of Bigfoot groups all over the United States. You're not going to get these people to come together under a single common we love each other. Kumbaya lexicon. There are people in the, from the country who never had a more than high school education. There are people that, you know, it, you're not going to have it's not going to happen. People want to do what they want to do to show what they want to show. You let them do that. But you build. a Coalition of incredibly smart people that know how to that can come together, remove their differences and say, hey, look, we're going to look at all the data. And we're not going to discriminate. And I don't care if I think it's an ape, no matter what you say. Or I, and I don't care if you think it's an alien. I'm removing all of that. We're going to follow the data. And once you do that, that group can come out. And it's not about trying to appeal to everybody. You're going to have hate no matter what. It's about you know just getting to the raw facts. And that group will infect other groups. And, it'll, and the bottom line is that process will infect the, the young biologists, the young zoologists, the the young primatologists, and those people are the ones that you have to look to because there's that whole other tier of senior people that are in the you know um, you know at academia and all this other stuff that just don't want to listen to it because for whatever reason for whatever reason it it disrupts their thesis that they wrote in in 1972, you know. So that's, that's, that's where it is. It's pretty
3: straightforward.
1: Yeah. You need to take bold risks in order to get bold results. And I think that, you know, we, we attended PhenomenaCon last year, and there was a lot of talk of this on stage with Eric Bard and Travis Taylor, who are now finally starting to get a little bit of traction on the UAP stuff. And I've been telling people since we started this, this Flash of Beauty that Bigfoot is. You know, if, if UFOs are our cousins, Bigfoot's our brother and it's being ignored, you know, by science. And part of that is just the, it's just this pop culture icon kind of, you know, you see stickers on cars and, and people are wearing their sweatshirts and, you know, there's Harry and the Hendersons and so on and so forth. So there's, you know, aliens got the serious treatment, right. With ET and independence day and, you know, you name it, Bigfoot's had what one film that somebody can name, you know, so there's kind of this like, he's got kind of a little bit of a bad rap, but it's not nearly, um, no, no, that's not what I want to say. What I'm trying to say is it's equally as important in my mind, if not more so than extraterrestrial life, because they're here on earth. And in my opinion, there are brothers and sisters, humanity's brothers and sisters with superhuman powers. So, you know, we we need to start talking about this seriously. People need to kind of come out of their shells and be willing to Go out there and say, you know what? There's too much data to ignore it. And here it is. So we're gonna go out and we're gonna get to the bottom of it.
3: Can we circle back a second? You said there's someone who has a story about getting peed on by a Bigfoot.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. So you're there, so there, matter
3: there, of fact about you're like, oh yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I know yeah, I want to uh, hear that too.
4: <laughs> yeah. So it's in the Connor, um, one of Wes's encounters, and the guy talks about. How he tracked an entire uh, series of FAM multiple multiple pods in this region up in the Fort, Fort Lewis area, and how he he goes out and he just kind of sits in this this area and he could he knows when they're coming back to the home spot. I mean, he's really done a great job of of capturing behavior. Like he's like that primatologist, but he's not. But he's got like this primatologist type approach. Of looking at the behavior of when they call, what they're calling, when they're talking to each other, they've heard, he's heard them talk. Um, and he talked about this one Bigfoot, this, this alpha, came over to where he was hiding in these bushes and literally peed on him, And he just, just remember getting, yeah, in the shower. And it was, it was, it's like, what was the purpose of that? Um, you don't know. Maybe he was saying, I know you're here and it's hilarious to me, but it, it's just one of those things when you hear it, it's like, can't make that up. Like who wants to get on the air and say, you, you got to go to shower from, from, from Squatch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be the first time that that's been reported. Um, in fact, I interviewed a guy where that that's not very subtle, but, um, certainly brett jill mike you met this individual in cottage grove when you did some filming last year todd and um he was urinated up near uh, a very active area in the cascades he knew that it was urine because of the fact that it peed in his backpack and then zipped oh, yeah. back up so that subtlety is not so subtle um it also peed on his car hearts while he was uh camping um, which is you know a predator behavior I, uh, granted it could be a cat but i don't think a, ca- a cat's gonna have the no you know the wherewithal to zip up his backpack again and it's also where are missing people so um you know that's a crazy detail it sounds wild to the listener but it's you know it's consecutive with two stories and these these outlier stories i think are important to what you're arguing for farouk is that We need to have a more candid i mean heck i interviewed a gal that said she saw one masturbating i mean these are embarrassing things to say these are outlier stories i get it this is flash of beauty after dark conversation and uh, we need to be able to you know maybe sometimes tongue-in-cheek but um, that's why we had those monthly meetings in the cascade is to put these people together and have a lighthearted conversation. But then when the cameras went away and the mics went away, they could talk freely, you know, without the consequences of ridicule. So you had a response for.
4: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too carnal, but I mean, the bottom line is even encounters where a guy says, saw them having group sex, like uh one female, and multiple males in a barn, you know, not on the hay, but literally just in a, in a barn. Um, and it's, it's those types of things Like, why would you want to tell people that you're already talking about Bigfoot? Then you're going to say that, you know. Um, it's it's those things to me that add so much credibility to. And then there's all these other things that couple with that, and you're like, yeah, you 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 got stuff going on on your property, you know, serious stuff going on on your property. So, I, I, like I said, I just think that once again, you know, if 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 there was a group that that could pull off that common baseline and follow those principles, it would be extraordinary. I just, I just think at some point parties would intervene because it would become too apparent, like once you started being able to present the data and show things. It just there's too, it's too like so like I was telling on the pre-interview, like Toba, I was telling like the data that there is this graphic that shows the sightings over time in the, all the states. Y'all seen that graphic? Uh, it's a infographic, video infographic of all the Bigfoot sightings over time. So it's flowing and it's showing like Texas moving up and then California and then Oregon. Y'all, have y'all seen that before? Oh man, it's it's so cool. I'll drop the link here, fine. But it is one of the coolest infographic videos where it's tracking. There's only three data, three, three data elements. Well, two data elements, state, the, the state, and the year, that's it, two data elements. And it creates this amazing visualization that tells a story of, uh, you know, how we have gone into, you know, and, and deforested and, and 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 moved into different areas and populated areas um, and how squash have had to move. You know, you it, 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 it can infer a lot from that. So we have two data elements. Um, the graphics that they have on on the GIS ArcGIS project, and that was the guy that was also in the in the movie with us talking about data analysts, The ArcGIS project three data three data elements: type of sighting, location, you know, and and year. Um, it's just simplistic. You could view a one. I mean, one genuine encounter can generate probably about one hundred and fifty to two hundred data elements that could be repeatedly tracked in every encounter. You could ask a series of questions that would get you those 150, and then imagine the visualization that you could create a correlation between time of year with the color of the hair, with the way your dog reacted when it was in the area. I mean, it's just versus terrain, water available, water right around it. I mean, time of day, all of these things just, It's kind of just kind of exciting, but it's also depressing because you just want people to kind of focus on that and stop talking about, you know, the things that that, you know, get likes. This stuff doesn't necessarily get likes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But it gets results. Phases of the moon. I would add that, too.
4: Well, even
0: yeah. Mel Scahan uh, mentioning his number one thing is which way was it headed? He said that's so important. So often left out is what direction they were going so uh, you're saying that there's these three data points and for them that's a success rate they can they can find a model you know it might it remind, reminds me of uh david polite's um profile points for missing people where he has those 10 profile points i think they are and everything else he pushes out of the picture and he only takes in those those profile points is there any profile point that you think should be taken out of the equation, should orbs be taken out of the equation, should um mind speak be taken out of the equation, should should those kind of outlier reports
4: be included and why? Disrespectful to the data. It's just it's it's it's, it's it it creates chills on my spine because it's disrespectful to the data. When you remove data elements regardless of how fantastic, you know, or simplistic, you're disrespecting the data. Because now you you, you have, the first thing you have to ask is why did you pull it up? There has some bias, something. Oh, well, it wasn't that significant. Who says so? If you look at a hundred thousand encounters and that data element becomes prominent in every single one of them, how is that insignificant? It's not statistically insignificant until the data says it's statistically insignificant. So, for me, these these like I said, I, you're literally giving me chills. It's frustrating because those are the things that you know uh, just really make it impossible for us to get to a point where we can actually have a a true three D map of what is happening around the United States and globe in the various areas that things are you know these encounters and experiences are happening.
1: Yeah. Amen. Farouk, what you're what you're what you're saying right now to me is the is the the gospel, and this is how we eventually end up knowing is by getting this together. And you know, if we if we were to get down to brass tacks right now, um, you know, someone someone out here listening to this podcast right now might be interested in being a benefactor, might be interested in in stepping up and saying, you know what, this is something that I really want to be involved in, or maybe, maybe, you know, somebody like a Dr. Meldrum is at you know, at a college that can provide some or university that can provide some of these resources. So in your opinion, what would it take to to maybe even start off with like a sample and begin to put this project together?
4: Well, I, obviously, you have to have a group of interested stakeholders that looked at this and said, "Hey, we want to commit to this." The, number one, people are going to look at it, so with them, what's in it for me, right? Why would why would they want to be a part of this? It's going to be time consuming. You could do it part time, which is absolutely you know doable, but it just it's very tedious, very very tedious. Um, there are some big data tools out there that you could use for like you could go on, you could ingest the data, you know, do some pull some do some run some use APIs to pull data from like uh, the like BFRO and um, you could, you know, you could try to use some audio transcripts from like different things to be able to go in and pull data, but you got to have it's data dictionary and the data dictionary is not going to create itself. That itself would be very painful. So, I I mean, it would take a very committed group of people that someone would say, hey, look, number one, uh, I think this is important enough even if they had their own selfish reasons. I, I wouldn't even care. Like, I just want to know for my sake. Is this, you know, like and if that person was willing to invest, you know, for, a, you know, probably a three year project, uh, at least, you know, three to five, maybe three, three, four or five people for, you know, three years part time, if you did full time, probably a couple years. years. Um, it would be it would be unbelievable. I absolutely know it would be. I. I I, my brain has, uh, yeah, I've dropped some over the years because I've just listened to so many and they all start to come, but it's like I see, I I see what what I don't see, what I love to see is the correlations, you know, the pure data scientists being able to show those inferences that they can gain that we not normally i'm not a data scientist i'm not i'm i I call myself an independent data analyst i just look at stuff i can i can do it because i did in the military i ran a lot of systems you can generate data from systems and you have to do analysis to be able to tell um operational statuses and and predict failures and all these other things but for having a true data scientist look at that data and manipulate it 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 would just once again um you know data can be skewed data can be biased so but like i said you have that consortium where you set those grounded governance in place to kind of check and balance things make sure people aren't going off the farm with their own interests i mean it just got to be an entire ecosystem structure around that and you know it's, it's it would just take time probably take a year just to get people to, to lock in in from the governance perspective and then you then you have to start the process of actually determining where your sources are, your data sources are, which input data sources are and verifying the, the veracity of them. And then once you've done that, then you got, the, you know, you obviously already assembled your team and you you, you go in and you start decomposing that data uh, into those data elements and coming up with those attributes and, you know, cataloging them. I mean, it's painful, but it would be amazing.
1: It would, see it, yeah. It could be, it could be history changing. So <laughs> Elon Musk, if you're listening, we need you. This is, this is just <laughs> as important as Mars. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's probably yeah. more important. It probably
4: is more important than Mars because wherever they, wherever, and I, this is my bias, you can laugh whoever wants to laugh, wherever they're from. So I was talking to last week about like, wherever they're from, it's extraordinary because there's get into
0: it, Farouk. I don't want you to leave this part out here. I I almost forgot this, this interesting theory. Talk, talk a little deeper
4: than you're expecting to talk about. Okay, So so you want to talk about the hair or you want to talk about the gravity?
0: Oh man, the hair is pretty (laughs) good, but I don't want to give that away. That's pretty cool theory. Let's get into Krypton effect. That's what I called it after I hung up.
4: So number one, I was driving to, to Corpus Christi with my son to go fishing we were talking about how, um, why Bigfoot are so muscular? Why are they so gigantic and so muscular? And the way they walk, uh, if you see a video, they walk with a heavy gait, like a heavy gait, like, why is this a, and then why, how can they be so fast? I have a personal friend that had an encounter that she, I've tried to get her get on West, where she saw one, um, it lifted up the back of her truck on the side of a highway and, um, it creeped up. She saw it. She was. It was at the bumper of her her suburban, and she was looking in the side mirror at it, and it was creeping, like it was trying to hide. An alpha it wasn't a smart. It was an alpha. Maybe it was a a young a young male, but it was. She said it was about eight and a half feet, something like that. Just just the shoulders, the face. He said um, it looked like a handsome man with gray skin, you know. <laughs> and, it, and I was like handsome. She's yeah, he was, he was handsome you know, but neither here nor there, I will talk specifically about this uh, phenomenon that, so we were driving down there and I was like, son, you know, it, we were talking about how could, how could they be so big? So I love sci-fi movies uh, because they, they offer challenge our brain to sink in a way like, you know, Interstellar or, um, you know, some other movies like that, that just force your brain to just, to think in different ways. And I remember when they were walking in the water on Interstellar and the, the gravity was so heavy on that planet and they could barely, you know, one step. And it was, a, I told my son, you know, what, what if on wherever they're from, the reason why they're so muscular and so fast is if you ever boxed or you did karate or anything and you put weights on and you punch with weights, you take those off your hands are fast because you've basically applied more gravity that you have to fight. So your muscles become more toned to that. said, what if their entire planet's gravity was heavier than ours? And then they came here and they're that fast. Like, like that is kind of crazy, but the concept of it, that all your cells and your everything, has to deal with this matter, and then it kind of links to the some of the talk about how their blood stinks because there's time when they've been shot and people smell their blood and it's this deep dark pungent odor like the density of it is so thick that it's like maybe there's something associated with the, the physiology of them because they're wherever they come from they're on the planet but the gravity is that much heavier than ours and when they come here it's like
2: flying as a feather in the wind. Crazy talk. But you know, that's what we did.
1: That makes that actually makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Because, you know, we interview um Dr. Simeon Hein in the sequel. And if you haven't already, check out Dr. Simeon Hein's book called Dark Matter Monsters. You're going to love this book. But he puts forth all kinds of different theories and basically, you know, talks about how you know they're whatever it is they're doing it it helps them manipulate gravity you know and that's kind of the key is that being able to manipulate gravity and work with gravity and change your vibrational system somehow by you know turning invisible going into different dimensions so on and so forth it's all it's all connected
0: yeah all connected indeed Farouk, what do you have coming up? Do you have any um projects coming up? Any websites, anything that we can promote for you?
4: No, no, you know, I'm I'm such an independent quiet under the radar guy. I do not see myself as an authority on anything. I just I just know how to do research. I I know how to do I got, you know, my master's degree forced me to do research and you know, I hook them, U T uh, Longhorns, you know. Um I I just think ultimately I don't I don't want to be known for anything because I don't feel like I'm just incredible I, I feel like I need to have some PhD or something that's my name but I could get people there because I know how to run projects I know how to execute very complex very large projects I do it in the cloud we do it for the government uh, and and we do very large complex projects. And I've been doing that for a very long time. And it's fun to me, that would be totally nuts if I was able to be involved in something like that, because it just, that would trigger emotions. Once we start seeing the data, I would probably just lose my chicken um, everywhere. You know, it's, it's pretty, yeah. So the only thing I would say is that I have a buddy in Northeast Texas that has some land and I am going to go spend some time up there and there are some incredibly hot spots. I want to see one. And I've, I've negotiated in my brain how I'm going to respond, but I haven't, I don't think my body has yet agreed with me how I'm going to respond. So in my brain, I know that when I look at one and I see him in a distance and he's standing there, I'm probably going to take off running toward him. But at some point my body is probably gonna reject that and I'll probably you know poop and do everything on myself and um take off running in the other direction if they don't hit me with some infrasound or don't because I know that squatch is gonna look at me and like this one is crazy because he's smiling and he's running at me. <laughs> so I know that's what I'm gonna do. Because I'm going to see it and I'm not going to be scared. Because why? Thousands and thousands of encounters. They're not going to encounter anybody that does that. They have never kind. nobody's Nobody reported it. And then they're going to be like, they're probably going to be like, what? In the You know, I mean, it's just, I think that that interaction is going to be compelling for them. They'll probably go back and say, I had a human sight. And that thing was crazy. You know, because. <laughs>
1: <But> That's amazing. <laughs> I,
4: it would be me. Because of those thousands and thousands, I don't have that fear. I don't have that thought. I don't have that. Oh, that's it. That's it. Get to it. I'm going. And then at some point my body will probably take over and it all go to crap, but it is what it is, you know?
1: So question for you, what's it going to take for us to get you up here to the Pacific Northwest? I know Tobe said that you guys talked a little bit about Forks, Washington. Have you been up, have you been up there to, were you at, at Fort Lewis? <sighs>
4: I have oh so I've been up there for work uh periodically, okay. but I've never okay. done anything like squatchy on that environment. So no, I not okay.
1: a... the Olympics, man. The rainforest out there is it's like Wizard of Oz. Oh there he is. This I'm not I am I don't
4: I don't know I don't know Michael Towns, Mitchell Townsend, but he um and I know there's probably different people, with different things, but I mean, if you haven't looked at this book, Bigfoot is solved. Human human hominid. Um, it's the first Bigfoot book that I've bought. I've you know read the other ones, but it talks about he's a guy that found the uh, he. They used forensic dent forensic dentistry to do the analysis on some bones that were found at the base of Mount Olympus. Some piles, multiple piles of bones, by bite marks. And that's the stuff that you just can't erase, you know, the bite structure of uh, into a bone, you know, not human, no other animal in the world known does that. But it's a fresh set of bones from the last three weeks or something like, that. Yeah. you know, a pile, like an organized pile of bones. Who does that? Oh, I'm going to go. Let's go out here and eat a deer with some jacked up teeth and then leave an organized pile of bones like. <laughs> it's 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 this type of stuff that just adds so much credibility and like i said people the thing that happens is this i know we got to go but the thing that happens is, is people that come out with stuff like this they get attacked and it's i think it's partially planned and then there's just haters that you know just didn't wake up and didn't have the wherewithal to go down the scientific path and that's why you can't care you got to build yeah. that coalition and you just can't care what anybody else said. And at some point that it'll it'll just latch on to people that are smart enough to understand the scientific method and understand the pr- the process of data. And, and, and then, you know, it's it's about like um, it's not a big bang. It'll never be big bang um, unless there's an Independence Day like event for for watch, you know, there's there's never going to be a big bang.
0: If you want to know more about Farouk Muhammad, well, you're going to catch him in part one. Of course, you can watch that on Tubi. You can catch it on Amazon. Flash of Beauty, Bigfoot Revealed, name of the show, hard to forget. Also part two coming up uh, this Memorial Day weekend, 2023, the second annual Forks Washington Sasquatch Days. Tickets on sale at SasquatchTheLegend.com. Farouk will be in that um maybe if we can find a way to put him in our hip pocket we'll get him up to forks but soon enough uh i'll come
4: to- i'll come you don't have to hip pocket nothing i i'll <laughs> come just i i just like i said this is something that i um i'm excited i just i wish i could do more have more time yeah. i wish somebody would fund it so if you fund it i will we will do it that's the bottom line
1: We're looking at we're we're looking at options, you know, like I said, when we first interviewed you, I mean, this is definitely one of the things that I want to try and accomplish by getting this word out. You know, just get it done, but it would be awesome to see you in Forks. Be awesome to see everybody listening in Forks. I'll be there. Excellent. 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 Excellent.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Farouk.
1: Really appreciate you. you
3: Thank you. Thank
2: thank you
1: so much. Y'all are awesome.
0: This has been a Resonance Production Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at bigfootrevealedpod at gmail.com. Also, if you're just discovering the Flash of Beauty universe, you can watch our documentary on most major streaming platforms.